This podcast is part of the Game and Entertainment Network. Visit tgenetwork.net to find the latest episodes from all our shows. You're listening to Contains Moderate Peril, an independent podcast about gaming, movies, and popular culture. Written and presented by Roger Edwards. Hello and welcome to the Contains Moderate Peril podcast, episode number 178. I'm Roger Edwards. As Christmas is fast approaching, I thought it would be a great opportunity to republish our guide to the Christmas holidays. This podcast was originally recorded in 2015 with my co-host Brian, but still offers an invaluable insight into how to survive the Yuletide festivities. So, for your edification, allow me to present to you the Contains Moderate Peril Guide to the Christmas Holidays. We have a mantra here. Actually, we have several mantras, but the particular mantra I'm thinking of at present is knowledge is power. That's a good one. Yeah. I'm a firm believer in education is a major tool. I can think of several other things and people who are major tools, but we won't talk about hey, that. Hey, Ed- that. Edu- education is a major tool in tackling a lot of your social issues that challenge us in this day and age. And so it's with that lofty ideal in mind, we would now like to present for your consideration our guide to surviving the Christmas holidays. Because let's face it, Brian, this time of year can be very, very taxing, can't it? Very stressful. Yeah, there's a lot going on. And traditionally, you always read in the newspapers or on the websites, usually after Christmas or families that have had huge bust up. You just get so much information about how Christmas was traumatic for certain people or terrible things are happening. And we just thought, well, maybe we can help in some way to ease the burden on people. So we are now going to tackle several of the major issues that crop up at this time of year. And We do so with the benefit of, between us, over 80 years of life experience. Isn't that so, Brian? Oh, that just sounds horrible. (laughs) That makes us seem so old. It's actually over 90. Yeah. But we don't want to go there. Well, quite. Pretty soon it'll be over 100. Well, yeah. A couple of years. Yes, indeed. A couple of years, man. Ho, 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 ho. Merry Christmas. Something that comes up regularly at this time of year, buying gifts. All of these sort of seasonal festivals, irrespective of whether you celebrate a religious one or whether you're just celebrating the holidays in a secular way, there is usually a tradition of providing gifts for friends, loved ones, members of your family. And this can be incredibly challenging, can't it, Brian? Yes, and stressful. Yeah. If you're in a relationship, you've got the pressure of getting the right gift, the gift that they want, not the gift that they don't want. You don't want to be the person that provides the gift that disappoints on Christmas Day. So rule number one, keep your ears pinned back. Keep an eye on what other people within your social circle are buying. Sometimes what's source for the goose is source for the gander. You think, oh, if they're getting that for their missus, I might do the same. 
There's no shame in stealing somebody else's idea. Okay. <laughs> well, there's not, is there? There's plenty of people. Some people are just good at buying gifts, aren't they? There are some people who are natural-born listeners, like Mrs. Peril. She will turn around and say to me, oh, I've got so-and-so's Christmas present. And I thought, well, have you? What did you get them? And she'll mention whatever it is. You know, I bought them a personal grooming set for their pet goat or whatever it is. And it's like, well, how do you know they want that? And she says, oh, they mentioned it in February. And she's the sort of person that makes a note of that shit and then goes out and does it. I do that. That's good. Matter of fact... What I got this year was decided, I believe, in summer. I already knew what I was getting everybody. Cool. And I, I will add a, a, a corollary to this. Um, it, when you buy, buy, in my opinion, buy early. Yes. Which we can, we can get to, but there, there's a lot of good reasons for that. Do not be the person who is at the the 24-hour gas station buying something for his loved ones at two in the morning on Christmas Day. That oh. is not a good situation to be in. When I was younger, my, my dad, God bless him, he just, we would literally be out there on December 24th buying gifts still. And it's just, have you ever been in the stores on December 24th? It is not a fun experience. I've worked in retail stores on December 24th. It was it was worse than Black Friday. This is true. This is true. For, for, for the likes of you and I, it is hell on earth. But I would like to point out that there are some people who thrive on that. There are some people who will go out on Christmas Eve and buy all their presents and still do a bloody good job of it. They're just the sort of people that like the whole process of doing that shit on Christmas Eve. Yeah, well, I hate the, it. The, well, there's a word for that. Procrastinators. <laughs> That's who does that? I mean, come on. You don't. You don't do that because you really enjoy doing that. You do that because you put it off so long that you literally don't have a choice. It's like the very last possible point in time you can do it. You have to get it done, otherwise you show up empty-handed, which you don't want to be that guy or gal. Another simple little thing. There is a statistical chance that you will get the wrong gift, the wrong size, something they didn't want, or it doesn't go with their eyes, or it brings them out in a rash, or it just represents everything that they hate in life. If that is the case, make sure not only when you give the gift, that you give them the receipt as well. There's nothing better than the option of taking it back and turning it in for something that they actually want. Some people would say that's defeatism. I would say it's pragmatism. Yeah, and, and the the good news there, by the way, if you don't happen to give the receipt, um, after Christmas, the return policies at almost everywhere is greatly loosened. Yes. <laughs> and it's quite possible until middle of January, in most cases, to walk into any store with any item and return it and get some kind of credit for it. You don't even have to have bought it there. Yeah, sometimes even if it doesn't come from that chain, you might be able to bullshit your wife. I have taken returns during the holidays that was stuff we didn't even sell. They didn't get much for it, but it's because it's all about – basically, the, the retailers make so much – there's so much money coming in for the holidays that it's just – you subtract out this little part of it, and it's worth it to keep your customer happy. Not saying take advantage of it, but I'm just saying – it's like if you want, if you get a book from Amazon gifted to you and you don't want the book, 
you could easily return it to the local bookstore and just say, yeah, they told me they bought it here. No, I don't have the receipt. I would just like store credit for something else. And they will do that for you probably. You see, we have the advantage being gamers. People can gift us games or people can gift you Steam store credit. Yep. Or you, you can go into a high street shop and literally buy game time cards for their MMOs and things like that. These are all great ideas because you're giving people exactly what they want. And that's the main thing about giving gifts. It's the, I know people say it's the thought that counts. I mean, it's very kind that someone thought to give me a present. But if I open it up and it's just a lunch box full of dog shit, it's not of use to me. I want something that is of use to me. Tell me, Brian, do you have a culture in the US of people buying things like store vouchers or book vouchers, those sort of things that as a kid you used to dread getting? Uh, yeah, a little bit. Because that's still very much a thing in the UK. And it's like you took £20 of your hard-earned money, which if you just put in a card and gave to me – I could have gone anywhere and spent it on something that I like. But no, you decided to take this £20 and exchange it for a voucher that can only be used in one particular store. And it just strikes me as just such a logical thing to do. It's like, here's something that basically you can say is choice, and I'm going to give it to you in a reduced choice form. Yeah, and, and this is going to sound kind of bad. I almost think of that as lazy gift giving in a way, uh, with with the exception that if you don't know somebody very well, some kind of gift card or something might be more appropriate than actually getting them something because you literally don't know anything about them. But for family, like if my family got me – well, if they got me Amazon gift cards, I would love it because I shop at Amazon all the time. Yeah. But other than that, I, I expect my family to – if they choose to give me a gift, they probably know what I like and know what I need and have some kind of idea of what to actually get for me. And I would rather have an actual thing, which I don't know, maybe, maybe other people don't feel that way, but I just think gift cards are a cop out. If you happen to do something at your place of employment, like Secret Santa, Oof, yeah, use your common sense that's all i'm going to say on the matter because there is so much scope for that to turn into an absolute disaster that, that is not the time to do the gag gift of a dildo no trust me yeah or any any sex related product anything like that the the other thing i'm going to throw something out there and we, we could talk about this when you gift to your family do you take note of the value of things that you buy and make sure that everybody gets an equal value? Or do you just buy them what you buy them and it is what it is? Ah, the Sheldon Cooper approach where you have to give people a commensurate gift of similar value. <laughs> Mrs. Peril's good like this, particularly with children, because children pick out so things like nephews and nieces. Mrs. Peril would always say, I've spent this much on A, so I need to spend a comparable amount. I don't think it's quite so important with adults because I'm hoping that the adults are a little bit more um, emotionally literate. <laughs> don't determine the value of things based on it's just financial worth. But I, I, I think 
it is something to be aware of and you and you apply it where you feel that it's relevant to apply it i mean we have a policy within the whole perilous household we don't tend to give gifts to each other full stop because mm. look at my parents they're in their 80s they got everything that they yeah, what need. Do they need right yeah the only thing they really want from me my sister etc is our time so we will do things like say tell you what after christmas we'll take you out for lunch or go out with them for a day take them somewhere where they like going they appreciate that far more than you know the the gruntmeister 400 and its box of accessories you know they just don't need shit like that yeah the 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 reason i brought that up is there are people in my family that worry about that like we spent you know $75 on A so we need to make sure we spend $75 on B not 76, not 74. You know what I mean? Mm. I I have gotten, I used to be like that. And for whatever reason in the past, I don't know, handful of years, I've completely gotten away from that. And what I have gone to, and keep in mind, I'm around, it's adults, except for one person that I buy for. I buy as a gift, what I think the person will like and can use. And it, if it's 100 or if it's 10, it doesn't matter to me. Maybe it matters to them getting it, but I don't care about that because it's a gift. You know, it's, they don't have any say in it. So if one person gets a $50 gift and one person gets a $500 gift, I'm okay doing that. From my end, I, maybe, yeah. maybe nobody else is okay with it. I'm just saying that's how I think of it now because that $50 gift might be – that might be as useful to that person, that item, as that $500 one is to that other person in my mind. It's it's just what's appropriate. Yeah. Having said that, this year, my family is all getting the exact same thing. This is the first time I've ever done this. I don't know how it's going to go. We'll have to do an update next year. <laughs> and I'll let you know. I'm not going to say what it is because my family might be listening to this. Mm -hmm. I literally bought the exact same thing for everybody I'm giving gifts to this year. And I am super excited about it because it's kind of crazy. And I'm so hoping it goes over well. And I guess uh, we'll have to update that. But um, like I said, this is a first. Usually it's all different things. But I, I found something that I think everybody can use equally. And I just went ahead, went all in. So, well... We'll round up this section on gifts by just briefly touching on the point that you've mentioned there, Brian. Gift etiquette when it comes to receiving them. For example, lots of people have a tradition of some gifts you will open up at an allotted time in front of the whole family. So you actually have to deal with the person that bought you said gift. We do that. Um, call me old-fashioned. Even if it is a Tupperware container full of dog shit. Someone has gone to the bother of buying you a Tupperware container full of animal fecal matter. It is still polite in my book to say, thank you. That's very thoughtful. Acknowledge it and be positive and do your utmost not to say on your face or through your eyes, you bastard. Well, yeah, that, well, I was taught that at a very young age. Yeah. I find it a little bit um, unpleasant when sort of people... <laughs> sort of actually dare to show their contempt for the gift that they've been given it's like oh no i'm not comfortable with this go and do that in the kitchen i don't want to see that sort of thing and um 
you know, it's about being gracious and good mannered. But hopefully, if you've done your job properly, you actually do give someone something that they want. So hopefully, you're going to get a positive reaction. Yeah, I'm usually pleasantly surprised. Um, I, I would actually literally be okay with not getting anything. That, that's never happened, and it never will. But uh, it's fun because it's one of the two times a year my family actually gets together. And we're all in one place, and, and the dynamic between everybody and all the talk and the catching up. And to me, that's worth more than what I get. Um, and I usually, I don't know about you, I get very few gifts. I, I'll maybe get two or three things. You know, when I was a kid, it was way different, yeah. but, but people have passed away over the years and people have moved and, and whatever. So it's just, it's, it's a smaller group, but, but every year I'm just pleasantly surprised. And, and typically every year there'll be one thing where I'm like, Oh, what the hell? Right. <laughs> like, you've ever done that? Like, I mean, you're nice about it, but you're like, Oh, and then it ends up being useful. Like two months later, like, Oh, I'm so glad that person got me that. So I kind of I, I like I like giving them more than getting. Yeah, I think that touches on the point about for a lot of people, Christmas is about the children, isn't it? it, yes. it I don't particularly care about getting gifts because I take the attitude if I need anything during the course of the year, I just go and get it myself. That really pisses a lot of people off, apparently. It's like, you're always buying shit, so I can't buy you a gift. And it's like, well, sorry. Oh, I, yeah, that, that makes yeah. me mad. I, I, I'm actually well-known in my family for being so excited about what I give. Matter of fact, I was so excited this year about what I'm giving, I almost gave everybody their Christmas at Thanksgiving. <laughs> no, I, I'm, I mean, for real. I had it all out to wrap the day before we all got together because I'm so excited to see. Like, I don't care at all what I get. I'm, I cannot wait to give out these gifts. I'm just like beside myself. And, and, and when I, but we, it's funny when we were kids, it was the complete opposite. It's, it was all about us and what we got. And that was so important. And as an adult, it's just flipped. Interesting. Okay. Let's move on. Next thing that gets drastically altered by the holiday season and that is travel yeah this can manifest itself in multiple ways i'll give you one such example me and mrs Perrell regularly go to the supermarket on the weekend at a certain time well broadly within a certain sort of window of opportunity and we always go a specific route i'm sure lots of people behave in such a fashion and of course on the weekend just gone, there is a school in that area, and they had on that Saturday their Winter Fate Stroke Craft Fair slash fundraiser, which mm -hmm. had lots of stalls, and it's also a bit of a charity drive. And because it's a school with a good rep in the area, you can imagine that a load of people descended on that area that usually don't. And on that particular day, there was just a cluster of about five roads where, because loads of people who were going to the Christmas Fate were parked up it just became gridlock and absolute chaos and that is a microcosm of what the holiday season does doesn't it it just that you will have things like this and then you will have things on a bigger scale that yeah. just means that you just have to be so much more aware of what is going down yeah the big one here is any shopping area on the weekends right now yeah um, typically is, is, is very tough, especially the closer we get to Christmas, yeah. it, it, it gets progressively worse and worse. So I, I actually, I consciously 
don't go to stores this time of year, and I haven't for years, other than the grocery store, because I have to have food. Um, but other than that, I, I get all of my shopping in stores done before Thanksgiving, actually. Um, in fact, I, I the last time I went to Sam's Club, which is a store I go to occasionally, I bought enough stuff to take me into next year. So I didn't have to go back right now because it's just, it's, it's horrible right now. It's <laughs> yeah, really so, bad. So one of the sort of sound pieces of advice is if you can negate the need for excessive travel, do so. Yeah, I, I just, you know, I planned ahead. Maybe it makes me weird that I plan. I kind of plan out my life around this holiday, but I know how it affects me you know, mentally yes. <laughs> to have all of this happening. I mean, I used to work in it. I used to literally have to like show up on the weekends at these places and didn't have a choice. That was how I was getting paid. So now that I have a choice, my choice is to stay home. <laughs> yeah. Or if I have to go somewhere not to where it's a big shopping center and on, where I live, I'm kind of lucky. Literally a mile down the road is two giant shopping areas um, so I have them close enough by that I can get to if I want to, but they're far enough away. It doesn't impact me so much. Well, one of the things that happens at this time of year is your social calendar can go haywire Ooh, yeah. because it's the end of the year. So all of a sudden you start getting phone calls and social arrangements from people that you don't necessarily see regularly. And th and it's usually traditional that you'll end up going for maybe a few more drinks or going to a restaurant to catch up with some people. So this time of year then means that you suddenly find yourself going to a bunch of places that you might not go that regularly. And you're therefore going to be going to pubs and restaurants at the most busiest time of the year. Now, for me, because I live in southeast London, that means a lot of these social invitations will require me to jump on a train, travel up into central London, hook up with someone, have a few drinks, wish them the compliments of the season, and then sod off back home. And commuting during the holiday period is different. There's lots of people <laughs> who are, how should we say, filled with a lot of Christmas spirit. So... Um, you know, you, you need to sort of plan your train journeys, etc. And if you do find yourself closeted in a train full of drunken assholes, don't be too harsh with them because most of them are starting out from a position of they're just trying to have fun and be convivial and high spirited. And we've all been drunken dicks at some point in our life. So sometimes it just, if you're stuck with a dick for 30 minutes on a commute, Roll with it rather than be difficult about it because who wants to be the one person that then sort of turns an annoying but broadly pleasant experience into a fight? Yeah, I, I will say, and, and this is good advice for any time of year, but especially now is if you're going to be out traveling this time of year, leave plenty of cushion. Yeah. I mean, extra cushion, even over and above whatever cushion you would normally have. Just don't be in a hurry. <laughs> That way, when it gets backed up or it gets crowded or whatever, you aren't in a rush because I think that's what gets everybody in trouble. Everybody's in a hurry, and because everybody around them is in a hurry and you get the gridlock, and that's when the frustrations spill over. And, you know, you're eventually, trust me, going to get to where you're going. <laughs> it may take longer than you want it to, but you will get there. 
if you don't have to be there by a certain time and you've cut yourself short. The, the other thing to remember, and this happens in the UK, I can't vouch for, for Europe in the US, but I would have thought that it's probably be comparable. Certain public transport services like tubes and, and buses and trains, over certain days of the Christmas period, you will get limited services. You know, on a Sunday, there is a reduced service to weekday services. And over Christmas, you suddenly find that the Sunday service is perpetuated on, say, the day after Christmas and stuff like that. So you need to sort of do a little bit of research. Don't go bowling along to the train station and expecting a train every 30 minutes. They might have changed it to there's only a train to every hour. Because it turns out all the people that work providing those services for you have families and celebrate the holidays too. I know it's shocking. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, so speaking of transportation, here's a little known thing. I used to work at in retail way back in the day. Do you know that when you work at retail at a mall, you don't get to park at the mall during the holidays. You actually have to park. You have to park somewhere else and they, but it's a free bus, but they bus you in. (laughs) I'm not kidding you. We had to park at the stadium. I worked in a, a city mall in, in a downtown area, and from Thanksgiving, actually before Thanksgiving, from beginning of November through into middle January, we were required as employees to park at the stadium, and they bust us in on these giant tour buses, and that's how we got to back and forth to our cars, because the parking garage was for customers only. Normally, it didn't matter because it was never full. The, during that time of year, it was complete. It was over full. It was over capacity because so many people shop there. Anyway, just a little little fun tidbit. I don't don't even want to talk about being at a major airport on Christmas Eve. Oh, yeah, just be patient. Yeah, <laughs> that's the best you, you can do. And if you see John McLean, run. And be patient with the people that work there. Yeah, because I I know this from experience. You know, being nice to people pays off. In, in many different and varied ways, sometimes unexpectedly, being nice to the people who work at the airport when they're under a severe amount of stress can pay off even more. Trust me. A L- little kindness goes a long way. Okay, moving on. <laughs> I'm, I'm beginning to laugh about this before I even start I talking <laughs> about it. Office parties. This is the time of year when the people that you have to spend large amounts of time with during the course of the year, people that you were just thrown together randomly and expected to get on with, the people that on a daily basis are a thorn in your flesh, criticize your work or give you further tasks to undertake. This is the time of year when you all leave the office environment, go to a bar or a restaurant, fill yourself with intoxicating alcohol and then do your utmost not to descend into physical violence and verbal (laughs) abuse. The office party. I never thought that this was a good idea because I know you do get a few places where everyone does actually get on together and you could theoretically go out for a meal and have fun, wish each other compliments of the season and go home. But for most of the situations that I've been in, 
office parties have always been a powder keg just waiting to go up. Yeah, the last thing you want to do when you've worked with people all year is to be around them more. <laughs> Get drunk. Especially this time of year. Yeah, with yeah. alcohol. I mean, your, your your family's one thing because they're blood and, and they're always going to be your family. But the people you work with, you, you know, people come and go. Yeah, th- right. I could do a whole podcast on this. We should. <laughs> office parties, right? Usually there's one person in your office, a senior member of staff, who's always responsible for organizing the office party. And after several decades of trial and error, they usually have found a place to go that everyone is broadly on board with. It will offer a spectrum of food that is acceptable. The price is not too difficult. So most people will go, yeah, we'll go there. It's not the best place in the world. It's not the worst, but we'll go. And it won't be a huge stumbling block. And then you'll get a new member of staff, some joker who's only been with your outfit for about six months. And they go, hey, there's a really good tapas bar across the way. Why don't we go here? And it's like all this good work that's been taking years to accomplish is just out the window because everyone has a lapse of sanity and goes, hmm, that sounds interesting. Shall we consider going somewhere else? And then a shitstorm ensues. Can't argue with that. <laughs> Have you any amusing anecdotes about office parties, Brian? Things that happened that shouldn't have happened? None I'm willing to share other than to say that in a very literal sense, careers have been ruined. <laughs> and, 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 and seriously, like, like I think the best way to handle an office party during the holidays is not to go. Mm-hmm. Although you kind of have to. It's usually kind of expected. It's, it's even if they say it's optional, it's really not, is it? There's a lot but, of politics, and sometimes not being there is just it, as bad as being there. It, well, it, it, it's a freaking minefield because you could literally be the best employee on earth for that company for 364 days, and you could show up at the office party and you could be that person, right? You, you're that guy, that one time, that one function, and literally your reputation is ruined. I've seen it happen. Not saying it's happened to me. Maybe. Maybe not. One of the best office parties I went to was in about 2002. And there's a restaurant under St. Paul's Cathedral in London. So you've got this um, wonderful church. And then in one of the basement areas, they've turned it into a restaurant. Quite an upmarket one. And I was working for a small company. I think there was only about 30 members of staff in total actually sort of involved in the proceedings. And the three big guys were the guys that actually owned the business. They were the majority shareholders. And they they footed the whole bill. Hmm. They provided a meal and a modicum of booze. And then once the meal was finished and you then moved on to the pub you then had to put your own hand in your pocket. But I thought that was really decent of them. It was a good meal. All the senior bigwigs were there, but they they didn't stifle the atmosphere. And they were smart enough to know that they had the meal, stayed for some coffee and liqueurs, and then they very politely bid us a farewell. And they withdrew so the plebs could just get absolutely shit-faced. That's pretty cool. And I respected them for that. I I thought that was good of them. Um, mind you, they did work as hard. It was a, a city firm and there was a great deal of pressure on us. But so 
you could argue cogently that it was earned, but it was just nice that they, they right from the get go, they said, no, we will pick up the tab for this. You haven't got to sort of like put $20 in the kitty or anything mm-hmm. like that. And um, that was a good one. I can remember other ones where I was in a, a restaurant stroke pub in Wapping and I got so shit faced. I can remember I said to people, I'll go there because I've got to get a tube to New Cross and then change onto a train again. And I can remember walking out of the pub, taking a long circular route that I thought was going to take me to Wapping Station. And it just brought me back to the pub. <laughs> and I turned up at the pub and they said, I thought you were going home. And I said, I couldn't find the tube station, so I'll stay for another hour. Well, there you go. I don't remember what happened after that, but I think someone had to take me to the tube station and pour me onto a tube. That's not good. (laughs) No, that's not good. And I had a digital camera with me. And about two or three days later, somebody said, oh, you remember those photographs you took at the office party? He went, oh, yeah. So I connected up the camera to the PC and I had photographs of all the people at the office party. And then I had about a dozen random photographs of people looking startled at the tube station. (laughs) Apparently, I just got off the the escalator at the tube and just started randomly going up to people and photographing them. I'm amazed I did not get my butt handed to me, literally. (laughs) Yeah. My advice to anyone who's going on an office party is have fun, but don't treat too it much. the same way as you would with members of your family and your personal friends. These are work colleagues. These are the boss. If there is alcohol being served, take it sparingly. Yes. Or if need be, don't have any at all. Mind your P's and Q's. Be civil. I know they're meant to be fun events, but like Brian said, often it's a lot of office politics involved. Keep your wits about you. And if you can get out of going, get out of going. But if you Good. have to go tough it out good good rule of thumb i've always found is whoever the senior people are at the party or function or whatever you're at doesn't have to be a holiday party mimic what they're doing if they're drinking like fish then it's probably okay to drink like fish if they're not drinking probably good idea you shouldn't be drinking too much you know what i'm saying the other thing and and this is just something i'll throw out there that, that really bothers me you and I have both been contractors, right? Yeah. So there's this new thing that's been happening, and I, I've seen it on the internet. I've actually experienced this myself, where a company will throw a company holiday party and the contractors aren't invited. Okay. If you are an employee of a company and if you decide to do that, that is your policy, fuck you. Yeah. Because I, I got to be honest, those contractors may not be employees, but they're probably working next to you doing the things you don't want to be doing. And they're responsible just as much for the success or failure of your company as you are. It's a horrible, horrible thing to do to people. Yeah, I must admit, I, I, I've, I've encountered work environments such as that, where there is a a complete culture of social segregation for contractors. And my attitude is full-time employee, contractor, person that comes in occasionally doesn't matter. If you're just part of the broader team that has been serving that company, you invite them. You know, they might not be around 
for the following year's Christmas meal. But hey, you know, they're just people out to earn a crust just like you. And uh, I, I don't see the sense in segregation unless your contractors are complete dicks. You know, they're bad people. And then maybe that's a good reading to exclude them. But if you're doing it just on some sort of office culture snob factor, no, that doesn't wash with me. Yeah, it, it's the holidays and humans yeah. are humans, right? I mean, you know, if if these are the people you're working around, you should probably invite them to your damn holiday. Yeah. That's all I'm going to say. We, yeah. we, we could literally do a whole podcast on this because I have been treated very well, but I have also been treated extremely poorly at times. Mm-hmm. And it, it hurts. Yes. Right, the next thing, which is perversely a sort of mirror of this, coping with family over the holiday season. Everybody, I think, has their own very unique relationship with their family. Some families get on and are very, very mutually supportive. Some families fight like cats and dogs. But in, sometimes in an ironic way, that's, that's their showing of affection for each other. And then you get some people that just fight like cats and dogs because they just can't abide each other. So I don't know what sort of family you have, dear listener, but the holiday season is a time where, by hook or by crook, you're going to get a heck of a lot of your family turn up. <laughs> and there's only so much that you can do to dodge and avoid it. But sooner or later, you've got a man up and endure the company of some people that you might not necessarily want to have to spend time with. And there is a knack to doing this. And that is what we're now going to explore in this part of the Burton and Scrooge Guide to Surviving the Christmas Holidays. Do you have any particular tips or approach with this aspect of the holiday season, Brian? Sadly, no, because I'm one of the people that has a very good family dynamic. Cool. So I I don't... I've never been exposed to any problems actually at all ever in my life. Pretty lucky. Um, my family's expanded this year as I am now a grandfather. Mm-hmm. And obviously that means closer ties with the um, other side of the family is obviously my son, his other half. She naturally has family. And um, we've been to quite a few social events and, you know, there's, we're meeting new people all the time, etc. It, it, it can be very trying. It also can be very rewarding. There's lots of factors to consider. And I think it also comes back to that old thing that we've talked about from our sort of MMO experiences about whether you're an introvert or an extrovert. And um, I, I find that if I'm going to a social event, meeting new people or meeting people that I haven't seen for a while, this sounds possibly a bit cheesy, but if you're not particularly good with small talk and stuff, take some time just to consider some potential lines of conversation. If you're going to meet members of your family, they're going to ask you usually pretty arbitrary stuff. How are you? How are you doing? How is so-and-so, your other half or your siblings? How's work or how you are doing at school or college or whatever? It's you can usually tick off a list, can't you, of sort of subjects mm-hmm. that are going to come up and just make sure that you've got a couple of sentences around that and possibly have reciprocal sort of things that you can throw at them as well. Oh, you might be really fortunate that you're going to get to see your favourite aunt that you haven't seen for a donkey's years and you're going to get on like a house in fire, aren't you? Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, and be be prepared too that I think people are going to ask you certain things. You know, what have you been up to the past year? And, and just the one thing I do is I kind of mentally think what were the highlights and what am I willing to talk about? You know? Yeah. Hey, I've been doing this, this, and this, and kind of have it's almost like a soundbite, isn't it? Like, yes. Like let's sum it up um, this way, and and I I do prepare that way. Um, I also rest before because I am kind of an introvert. Um, social situations take a lot out of me. So I kind of, I know that going into it. So I, I tend to rest up a lot because that, that couple hours with my family, even though it's a good dynamic, it, it's, it's draining for me. Yes. So for me to be on top of my game, I have to be, you know, well rested and, and prepared for it. And then afterwards it's like, you know, Go take a nap. Both you and I, Brian, are sort of because we've spent time where we've lived on our own and got quite content with our own company and we are creatures of habit, to suddenly go into a social situation where you're in someone else's house, someone else dictates when the meal's gonna be ready. And it can be quite a culture shock, can't it, to suddenly go into an environment where you are not in control of everything and it flows the way other people want it to flow rather than the way you want it to flow. Yeah. Yeah. You, in my case, I've just learned to kind of roll with it and patience is the key. And that, that has stood me well, the test of time. And that horrible old adage that maybe your dad might have thrown at you at one point, which is my house, my rules. The fact that you've just got to respect the fact that it is someone else's home. This is the way they do it. If they're hosting a, a, a Christmas soiree for a, a multitude of people, it's, you've, you've got to go with the group dynamic rather than just the yeah. way you want it to be. Yeah. And for my family, we've kind of settled on a particular thing we do at Christmas. And it's sort of just what we've come to over the years. And everybody likes it that way. It's, it's more of a buffet style. And so it's much less formal than it used to be. Thanksgiving tends to be more formal for some reason. And then uh, Christmas is more of a all day. There's always food out and people talking and wandering in different rooms. And then we all do sit down at a meal, but it's, it's very casual. You get your own food, fill your own plate, that type of thing. Works for us, you know. Sounds good, actually. I yeah, like that. It, it works out really, really well because it's a lot less pressure for the hosts that way. And that's one of the reasons we do it. If you are going to a big do and you know that there's going to be some people that you, you've got a history of not getting on with, again, common sense dictates family and alcohol don't always necessarily mix. So that's just something to be um, cognizant of because I don't know why, but it would appear that in everyone's family, there's at least one person who's just a guaranteed shit kicker who just wants to sport for a fight all the time and the moment you turn up they'll they'll pick on whatever subject that is your bet noir it's like they'll they'll rag on your favorite sports team or they'll bang on about politics knowing that it's you know it's your achilles heel as it were and it's fascinates me that there always just seems to be at least one of these people in these social proceedings yeah, the, the the flip side is there's usually at least one person that you tend to gravitate to. Mm -hmm. So my advice is always, obviously, to gravitate towards the people you like and away from the people you don't. And also snark 
and sarcasm is not your friend during a family holiday no. function. Uh, to be honest, I usually end up hanging out with the kids because they're the, they're yep. the people that are having the most fun on Christmas Day. But hopefully, if the world's treated them right, they got up that morning and opened a bag of fat loot. They've got they've got the remote control BBA. Yeah, <laughs> they've got all the good shit. Go and hang out with them. They'll be happy to include you, and you know, don't waste your time getting collared by the family bore who, who tells you about how his business has grown exponentially this year and how they're claiming tax relief because they got a new, you know, all that sort of tedious crap. Go and hang with the kids. Yeah, I, I always go sit at the kids' table, actually, because they're, number one, they're more fun and and typically a little bit looser, and they, they're not as... It's, sometimes the adults can be kind of boring. If you sit with the kids, you'll also be sitting with people that also have a complete hatred of Brussels sprouts. <laughs> I actually, I like Brussels sprouts. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad somebody does. But, but, see, but see, today's kids are tomorrow's adults, and, and if they like you as kids, they're going to like you as adults. So in a way, you're priming the pump, right? Like, as you get older, you'll have more and more people who like you. So sounds a bit personary, but it's true. thing is about a lot of family, the ones that travel up and come and do a little bit of visiting over the holiday seasons, you know, it's it's one day, if not even a day. Some in some cases, it's just a few hours out of your life, isn't it? Yeah, I guess I think for us, it's like four hours or something, and then we don't have to do it for another year. Even if you pathologically loathe these people, would four hours of your time is that really such an insurmountable issue? Yeah. Now, now here's a question: When you get together with your family, do you dress up at all? Um, no, not now. Did in the past. Uh, did in the past what what used to be the arrangement when mrs peril's parents were alive mm -hmm. and they were quite disabled and had a lot of health issues so they came to us on christmas day and we'd cook a big feast and always cook more than it was required and they took everything home with them so they then had all the meal ready for them for the following day hmm. and we always used to dress up then we, we would always wear something one item of clothing that was colorful and seasonal. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I do that. Little family ritual, little bit of fun. And then what happens then was after um, Christmas Day on Boxing Day, we would go and see my parents. Oh, okay. S slightly different now. Um, the dressing up thing's gone. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's, I think for a lot of people now, it's just once you get to a certain age group – Christmas Day, the day after Christmas Day, Boxing Day, as we refer to it in the UK, it usually becomes just a, a glorified taxi service. And, and you don't go and see one person. You end up seeing quite a few people. So you just dress for comfort and the logistics of the situation rather than putting on your tuxedo, as it were. Yeah, that's interesting because I, I don't I wouldn't say I dress up, but I, I will say I do make more of an attempt um, on that day. And also for Thanksgiving, I, I guess to me, there, there are like functions that I'm going to, even though I'm around family. And so I want to be yeah, just maybe like one step up from my day today, which isn't horrible. Like I'm not a sweatpants person, you know, mm -hmm. like a lot of people are when they're, which is nothing wrong with, but you know, you, I wouldn't go to Walmart and sweatpants or something like that. And you see that all the time. I used to do the church service on Christmas morning, 
there was a church that I used to quite regularly go to and they used to like the Christmas service there because it was quite lighthearted and it focused very much on the children. Mm-hmm. Still fo- focused on the inherent Christian meaning of, Chris- of Christmas because that's what a church's job is, is to do. But I used to like going to that particular service. I thought it totally got it right and it ran the right length of time. And I used to dress relatively smart for that, but I think that's just me being old-fashioned and my attitude of deference and respect of certain institutions. Well, I think there's nothing wrong with that. Now, something that is synonymous with the family aspect, because we've talked about the Christmas meal, but I think the whole holiday period usually sees a ramping up of eating and drinking. Because as I said, on the run up to the holidays, you're sort of catching up with some people or you might have the works do or you're going out Christmas shopping and you think, well, as I'm out, we might go and pop into this restaurant and stuff. And I I don't know about you, Brian, but I actually come off any eating regime that I have virtually for the whole month of December because it's just a never ending festival of of booze and food being stuffed down my noise box. Yeah, I I, I did it's different for me this year. Last year, everything kind of came off the rails for me um, around the holidays, and I actually gained a substantial amount of weight. And I promised myself that this year would be different. And so far, knock on wood, it, it has been much different. Um, Thanksgiving was, I ate more than I should have. And I, and I, but I knew going into I would because it's Thanksgiving, right? That's part of the, that's just for some reason that's part of the thing. You know, it, it's a holiday meal, and and you know you're going to eat things you normally wouldn't. And I, I was smart enough this year to budget for that ahead of time, and I ended up weighing myself three days after Thanksgiving, and I had gained less than a pound. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, and I I way overate on Thanksgiving compared to what I had planned to. So I kind of I blew it, but I was good enough to pull it back in. I haven't weighed myself since, so I could be I don't know, but I yeah, this year I'm staying on track, but I, I agree if if you're going to indulge and there's nothing wrong with a little indulging, this is a good time of year to do it. I don't know what it is about this season, but certain things already fall into place. Like for example, I went to pop around to see my parents today. Already, my mother has got a plate of mince pies permanently on the side now. And whenever you go around, you get offered a mince pie. Even if for the last 47 years that she's known me, I have, as soon as I was in a position to make my voice heard, expressed to her the fact that I pathologically loathe mince pies. There's still mince pies on the side, and I will get offered one. If she had her way, she'd sit on my chest and poke (laughs) one down my throat. But it's like that. And... I noticed this as well with um, a couple of clients I had to visit and, you know, wrapping up business for the Christmas holidays, as it were. They're sort of like, oh, do you want to come out for a drink? Or what? And while we're having a drink, shall we have lunch here? And anything? oh, that's nice. Yeah. I've now got a free drink and a free lunch. Or you go and visit the really opulent clients and they've like got dishes of candy and other stuff that's just there for you to help yourself to. And you think, oh, shit, this is good. And there's just this ramping up in consumption. For years, we had a ritual when I was a child growing up that two weeks before Christmas, 
I go out with my dad and we'd be given this jumbo shopping list and we'd get loads of food, loads of booze, stash it in the cupboard. And it's just sort of like, why exactly are we buying this again? And it, it was never properly explained why. And it was like, can we have some of this? Oh, no, we can't start until. And then there was just some arbitrary date assigned to it. And then it was like someone fired a starting pistol and it was like, chow down. It, it's really a strange phenomenon, actually, because about a week after Christmas, you have millions upon millions of people making New Year's resolutions yes. to lose weight. Yes. It's like you're, you're literally almost self-defeating before. Like, <laughs> why do you gorge yourself knowing that a week later you're going to want to lose all of whatever it is you've gained? It's a silly. You're going to psychologically beat yourself up yeah. for your overindulgence. It is a curious situation. I see my parents, because they are old and they live locally, I like to check in with them regularly. So I definitely see them at least twice a week. And on Sundays, I go round for a meal. So it was the greatest respect. I will be seeing them on Christmas Day, which is a Friday this year. But I've already seen them the previous Sunday, and I've, I'll probably see them midweek as well because i will be more than likely be picking up all the shopping that they will then be cooking for the christmas meal so if i hadn't seen my parents for six months my christmas meal would be a wonderful experience because i'd have all sorts of new stuff to say although christmas day is going to be a pleasure because i'm in with my parents and i love them <laughs> it's like there'll be this opulent meal and they'll be plying me with sherry and nibbles beforehand. And then afterwards, they'll be um, after the big meal, you know, we'll have a turkey traditional and then there'll be Christmas pudding with brandy butter and stuff. And then there'll be liqueurs later and then there'll be Christmas cake and then there'll be a cold collation later on in the evening, which is all very dandy and fine. But I've got absolutely nothing new to say to them. Mind you, they are old folks. So lots of what we discuss is repetition and circular conversations. And stories that we've heard oh so many times before. <laughs> uh, I, I, I don't know. I, I think lots of people just fall into this trap of just, hey, let's buy something. What is it with, let's say, smoked salmon or a lobster that's been prepared? You might be a person that never touches those things during a regular day-to-day course of business during the year and yet at christmas you go hey let's buy something that i don't usually buy and i'm not even 100 percent sure if i even like it well i mean what is it with giving gifts because we pretty much go the entire year without giving <laughs> yes. anybody anything and then all yeah. of a sudden everybody on earth or a, a huge portion of it for some reason all have this mass hysteria of oh it's all of a sudden time to give gifts like i i've I, you know this is going to sound a little weird i've always felt that if we could get away from the Christmas thing and just give gifts to people when you want to show them you appreciate them throughout the year when it makes sense to do so, it might be a better system, but it's the way it is and I don't think it's ever going to change. The other thing about this complete charade of just indulgence for the sake of indulgence, it's it's also slightly flies in the face of the traditional sort of religious aspect of christmas and that's why i make it my business I, I i gave a donation to a particular charity that will mean that at least several homeless people will get taken off the streets for the, the holiday season and get at least two to three days in an environment when they get decent meal decent bed if they need any medical attention or 
or they, they need help with any as other aspects of their life. There's going to be people there for them. It's not going to solve their problems, but it's it gives them three days when they're not living the usual lifestyle that they live. And to me, that's more about what the meaning of Christmas is. And I, I just wish more people would remember that and, you know, tap into the other great tradition of Christmas, which is supposed to be goodwill to your fellow man. Sure. As for the whole sort of overindulgent aspect of things, um, I this is probably going to be quite controversial. I don't mind turkey. I don't mind certain seasonal foods. I wouldn't have them if I didn't have to. If some, I mean, me and Mrs. Peril have said on several occasions, if we could have what we wanted on Christmas Day, we're just happy, happy with a takeaway curry. Yeah. That's what we like. We don't do, we do soups now this is good we we've settled on i think i've mentioned this before but everybody will bring a different soup and that for whatever reason works for us and i know it's way different from what most people do we used to do ham which is very traditional in the u.s turkey is more thanksgiving ham's more christmas for whatever reason or at least that's how i was raised um but now we don't do either we do soup no soup for you Soup is good, so particularly at this sort of time. It's, it's, you, know, you can do a lot of inventive things, be creative wow. with soup, can't you? One of them will be chili, and my my stepdad makes that, and he makes the most incredible chili. Like everybody just loves it. And then other people will make different things. And it, it, what it is, it, it's a variety of things to eat, right? So it's it's filling. It's pretty good for you most of them and there's a lot of variety and because of the way i said we do kind of do a buffet thing we can eat over a long period of time so it's not this concentrated sit down stuff yourself until you can't move it's more of a you know have this soup and the next hour have the next and next you're pacing yourself a little bit more and like i said it works for us what's the the fashionable term isn't it constant grazing yeah, it is a constant graze during the day. And then I get home and pass out. As opposed to constant craving, which was KD Lang. But that's, that joke that's was a little bit flat. Yeah, that, yeah. that was terrible because you messed <laughs> it up. Yeah. Wow. I would quite happily have Christmas lunch with KD Lang. I'm sure it would be a very interesting experience. I have discovered over the years that less is more. I, I like broad spectrum of food and broad spectrum of drink, but by and large, I, at this time of year, I'm mainly drinking some particular individual small bottles of, of, of beer, which are select brands, or I just like a decent quality red wine. I, I don't need to have a cupboard that is a cornucopia of, of goodies and stuff, because buying bottles of sort of like peach schnapps and it hanging around until Easter time because you discovered that you don't actually like peach schnapps. You know, to me, it's just ridiculous. And, and um, the UK has always had very, very complicated and strict um, shop opening time legislation. Mm -hmm. And it's only in recent years that we've actually broke away from this habit of Massive, lengthy shutdowns. I, in the 70s, I can remember when there were not so many chain stores, and so you would go to a butcher's and a greengrocer's, and it was just run by a family. There would be notices up in their doors that said, these are our Christmas fortnight opening hours. And you had to box clever, because if you didn't plan it right, you wouldn't be able to buy stuff. And there literally would be a two- or three-day period when nothing was open. Mm-hmm. 
That's gone now. The only things that shut down are the major supermarkets on Christmas Day. There will still be little small franchise supermarkets that open up and make bank by just selling you milk, bread and batteries. <laughs> There's always some idiot who forgot to buy the batteries, aren't there? Pretty much. And so, you know, you can buy everything you need pretty much up to Christmas Eve. And then you wait Christmas Day. And then Boxing Day onwards, all the goodies, particularly the food, the, the, the food that has a sh- short shelf life, is on special offer. So you can buy yourself a whole side of smoked salmon for like a third of the price if you yeah. wait until Boxing Day. And that's what I frequently do. I'm eating cream cheese and smoked salmon bagels for about a week. <laughs> Yeah, you know, if you want really cheap candy, the best time to buy it is like the day after Halloween. Yeah. Have you ever noticed that? Yeah. Like all all of a sudden, all that chocolate goes on incredible sale. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure that was never a thing in the U.S., you know, the closing down for a couple of days things, or was it? No, no, no. Well, not, I mean, not of the chain stores, which is what I've grown up around, no. Mm -hmm. Hell, you can go to Best Buy probably till midnight of Christmas Eve and buy presents if you need to they're literally open that late 11 p.m or midnight mm-hmm. and they'll be open crack of dawn on the 26th too the other great ritual and this is very much a uk centric ritual is at three o'clock in the afternoon on christmas day there is a 10 minute recorded broadcast by her majesty the queen and it's no, traditional we, yeah, in, in a good many households to have that on Although, how to what degree you pay attention to it, you know, is a greater or lesser thing. And I, and I know for a lot of other people, isn't there usually on Christmas Day an address by the Pope? Sure. So that will be a centerpiece, I'm sure, for a lot of people. Um, do, does the president do anything, make a statement, or is that more towards Thanksgiving? No idea. So there won't be a point where at some point you have a TV set on and then there will be the prayers giving it. GBH of the ear hole in the background and no one paying attention to it. I don't own a TV, so no. Ah, well, there you go. Yeah, well, you know, the Queen thing obviously is a is a big part of British culture. So, and my parents, being the generation that they are, well, sure. we have we have to sit in respectful silence and listen to her madge. Oh no, she... there's nothing wrong with that. It just yeah, yeah it when you don't have access to certain types of media, it makes it difficult to catch things like that. So. Also, just on a side note, my personal opinion, um, the Queen never says anything controversial. She just talks about social issues. You know, usually she's just sort of, you know, be nice to other people. It's Christmas. And, you know, and I'm down with it. Yeah, I think our big one comes, uh, it was in January, we get the State of the Union. Ah, right. And, you know, so it's, it's a little bit after season, they kind of shift. I think Congress kind of shuts down right now. Mm-hmm. You know, the politicians want to be with their families too, right? Sure, sure. Here could potentially be a sticky wicket, but we're we're not afraid to shy away from the big issues on Burton and Scrooge. It's the holiday season. It's interesting because in US culture, they you, you emphasize very much happy holidays. You, you go out of your way to really make it incredibly secular, don't you? And there's a sort of a compartmentalization of removing, also removing, but moving to the side, Christmas and the religious aspect. And mm-hmm. certainly in the UK because there hasn't been such a major separation of church and state, the fact that the Church of England, the Anglican Church, has been an in- integral part of politics for a good many many centuries, um, we are still 
very much sort of cognizant of the fact that although lots of people don't celebrate it as a Christian holiday, Christmas is a, a Christian holiday. Mm-hmm. And as a person who has been involved with faith in the past, it's, I have a different relationship with faith now. I consider myself to be a cultural Christian, at least. I like Christmas carols. I like Christmas church services. I like to go to church sometimes on Christmas Day. And as I said, in the past, I did. And I think there are a lot of people that remember that. They suddenly sort of get this pang of cultural Christianity and they want to return to a church at Christmas time. Um, and broadly speaking, the church does its best to welcome them. But I, it's, it's always saddens me when you find news stories of drunken people turning up and disturbing midnight mass or behaving inappropriately or treating it all as a big joke, etc. And um, I just wanted to raise that subject that while you may be opening your presents or your kids opening your presents or you're kicking back with your buddies over Christmas or catching up with a member of your family talking about sport etc and your favorite tipple in one hand it's important to remember that although the religious aspect on Christmas of Christmas might not necessarily be your cup of tea it is still significant to quite a few people I I tend to find the senior folk more so because they've grown up, I think, more of a culture of religion. Just to be mindful of that and to be accommodating, particularly if you are going to a church service. A bit of deference, a bit of common sense. Behave appropriately. Give some people some space if they do want to have a a prayer over the meal table. I I don't see that as being a problem. What's your take on that aspect, Brian? Whoa, what a minefield. Um, Yeah, I mean, you know, uh, just as far as being a human being and treating other human beings well, and and a little bit of tolerance for other people's beliefs, even if they aren't exactly what you believe. Well, you used earlier when we were talking about doing this part of the show, you used the phrase, a period of quiet introspection, which I think nails it. You might not be the most religious person, but I think a few people... certain quiet hours over the holiday period will reflect maybe in a spiritual sense or a philosophical sense but there there is that thing about quiet introspection you know what's happened in the year previously and what's going to happen potentially in the year ahead and um i I think now that's a healthy mindset to foster yeah i i think as humans you know we look at the calendar and this is the end of the calendar year basically right it's it's this arbitrary point that's kind of been set that you know we're we're coming up on the end and what we tend to do is look back and then a, a week after christmas we all start looking forward all of a sudden right yes <laughs> so it's this kind of kind of weird thing you have this this one week buffer in between um but I, I do think it's a good time to do that as far as whatever religious aspect Christmas has, I personally think has long been completely overshadowed by the commercial aspect of it. Oh yeah. Um, and, and so, and also realizing that, the amount of people on earth that recognize Christmas as a religious holiday that they observe is less than the amount of people on earth that don't. 
by a pretty big margin. Also, the fact that in some respects, Christmas has become this sort of secular holiday. Therefore, you've get you've got lots of people who are not Christians and are of different faiths, but they'll still celebrate Christmas in this in the sense of it's a public holiday and an opportunity yeah. for family to get together and giving gifts. Well, and it, well, I do. Okay, I have a story of of tolerance. How about this one? I dated a Jewish girl, and I'm not Jewish. Okay. Okay. Back in the day, and we were we dated for a while, and we happened to date over Christmas. And she invited me to her house, um, her her actually her grandmother's house, and they were all getting together on Christmas Day. They do not exchange gifts. They actually eat Chinese food is what we had, <laughs> which which I think is kind of a a, a thing because all the Chinese restaurants are open on Christmas, right? And, and so, and, and they told me, they said, that's what Jewish people do. And they knew obviously that I wasn't Jewish, but they went out of their way, um, to be kind to me. And she and I, there was no Christmas tree, obviously there was no nothing, but we exchanged gifts and they let us do that. Um, they all kind of left actually. And, but we, we did that. They didn't say a word to me about it. Very tolerant of something and she i think she had told him it was important to her and she normally wouldn't exchange gifts but because it was me she did i thought that was kind of neat i think that's very considerate very caring yeah it, it, it actually worked out really well that you know i was i was under their roof and it was not something that they had to be exposed to but they were willing to be exposed to it and they kind of embraced it and I conversely got to see a different side of things too as a result. And that's always stuck with me. Um, although she didn't stick with me, unfortunately <laughs> that didn't quite work out, but it was extremely um, interesting. And I was, I was very grateful. And I actually remember I wrote their family a thank you note um, because it meant that much to me. I can remember a couple of years ago, being in a car park of a busy supermarket and there was a bit of a consternation going on over a car parking space and people were sort of leaning out of the windows and getting a little bit hot under the collar. And then I can remember somebody turning around in one of the vehicles just saying, I'll let it go, it's Christmas. And it quietened down. Ironically, I saw both people later on in the supermarket and they were chatting away and it was like, oh, this is all water under the bridge now, you know, no worries and pleasantries were exchanged. And I thought, well, that's a classic example of the bonhomie that you will see sometimes at this time of year. Mm -hmm. You'll also see a lot of the opposite. But what fascinates me is if you're prepared to do that just over a week long period of the year, why not consider doing it for the remaining 12 months? How much better would this world be if we yeah, all did? Yeah. It, it just fascinates me that you will see people will go out their way to be nice because they feel obliged to, because of this, this institution, this culture, this sort of institution that's been fashioned by so many different forces. And you think, dude, you're being nice to people. It's actually putting a smile on your face because you've actually learned that it's actually quite nice to be good to people. It makes you feel good about yourself. Have you ever thought about maybe doing it for an, another 365 days? <laughs> Doesn't happen, though. I think I'm probably spitting in the wind on that one. But um, 
I don't know. Uh, it, it, there are times over the holidays where you see acts of great kindness. So you read about them or they'll be featured in a news broadcast. And you think, hey, human beings, we're not such dicks after all. And then five minutes <laughs> later, you're in the family next door kick off into a blazing row on Christmas Day and gifts are being thrown out of the window and broken on the pavement and then someone packs their bag. I'm going to stay with my mother. And you just think to yourself, oh, good, humans being dicks again. All the good work's just been undone. Yeah, you know, I, I do think it's worth remembering that, that as big of a day as it is for a lot of people, and I'm sure a lot of people listening to this would, would agree, um, it is at the end of the day just another day i mean people are born yeah people die people have to work people get sick people get to celebrate i mean it, you know it, it's a very cool day and i know for my family it, it's something you know it's it's a highlight of our year and it's definitely worth having that day and participating but the earth doesn't stop just because this is going on. Like other things continue to happen. Yes. And maybe, maybe having some perspective on it can be helpful for people. And don't forget that huge group of people that work during the holiday season. Oh, tons of them. <laughs> Obvious ones are the emergency services, but then you've got the people that deal with your electricity, your gas, your water. <laughs> The, the, the people that broadcast all the crap that you watch on television, you know, the people who are broadcasting on the radio, it, it, you'd be amazed actually by how many people don't get to have a traditional holiday sort of experience because for them, there's work to be done. Yeah, just another day for a lot of them, actually, yeah. if you think about it. I suppose we now have to go to the um, TLDR version of what we've just said. Exercise common sense. Be as prepared and as organized as you can be. There is a time to drink heavily. There is a time not to drink heavily. Be mindful of other people. You only have to put up with some of the indignities of the season for a short period of time. So, you know, take it on the chin. And by and large... Try not to be a dick to your fellow man. And if I think if you can stick with those, you should survive the holiday season pretty well. And if you don't, don't blame us. Take everything we said with a pinch of salt. Okay. So, until next time, Merry Christmas and a happy and prosperous new year. You've been listening to Contains Moderate Peril. For more information, visit ContainsModeratePeril.com. Follow us on Twitter at Moderate Peril.